podcast listeners. My name is Amor. Thanks for tuning in to a, another episode of our lovely observation podcast called Pobscast. I'm here as always with my colleague, Dr. Matthew Wheatley. Hello. And uh, we are honored to have the expert, the godfather of OBS, the uh, prince of putting people in small rooms for treatment, uh, Dr. Michael Ross. To be real, we had to invite him because we record in his office. So. <laughs> At your service. <laughs> right. So, so Mike is here usually, and uh, he just oftentimes doesn't speak much. But we're honored to have him here today to catch us up on some... APC updates, uh, a couple of things, uh, just some housekeeping issues. Uh, just to remind everybody, we got our Observation Medicine Science and Solutions Conference uh, coming up in September, right? Yeah, September in Charleston, South Carolina. Should be a great time, great city, good food. Right. Uh, again, if you send me an email, uh, I'll get my mom to make you dinner. Um, she's going to be making dinner for most of the faculty as it stands right now, but I'm going to put her to work. Otherwise, uh, it ought to be a great conference. All the people who write the paper is going to be there. It's going to be a great time. Also, uh, just recently, I presented some Observation 101 stuff at AAEM. Uh, that was a great conference, good time. Uh, Las Vegas, I, uh, I didn't lose all the money, just some. That's and, good. Uh, but uh, it was great. We had a good turnout for uh, the couple of OBS talks we had there that day. Is that why he's been working overtime so much? That's right. That's true. <laughs> I put in a couple overtime shifts in December in order to have money to lose in Vegas. But uh, that was a great turnout. Thanks if you came. So the SAEM interest group, Observation Medicine interest group meeting will be Thursday, May the 12th. Okay, 5-12. 5-12 from 9 to 9.50. Um, I sent out an email on the observation listserv about it as well. And and where's the meeting this year? It's in New Orleans. And New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The food in New Orleans is supposed to be really good, too. I'm excited about that. I'm going to uh, do some extra working out right before we go. Uh, 9 o'clock on 512, the ob section meeting. It ought to be pretty good. We discuss really good stuff there every time. Yeah. So. Um, one other question I just have for my colleagues. Next time, do you think it'd be okay if we added some animal noises in real time, like when Mike says something really exciting? No? No. No? Okay. All right, at, your, okay. at your discretion. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, uh, Mike, um, the APC for 2016 is out and in effect. Uh, you can go on the internet and find the uh, full description on Medicare.gov on what it is, but maybe you can give us a synopsis on uh, what the APC means for people who perform observation services from the facility side and otherwise. Sure. So, you know, before delving into the update, uh, for the novices out there, a quick um, uh, anatomy of, of what, the, what, what is an APC. APC stands for an ambulatory payment category. And when you're talking about APCs, uh, there's a couple really important things to understand. This is hospital payment, not physician payment. Physician payment's a completely different issue covered by CPT um, and those relevant codes. And APC is a Medicare payment code. So uh, th this is payment unique to Medicare. Now that being said, if you look at Medicare's uh, uh, actuary data, half of uh, payment for health services in America are Medicare Medicaid. So it's a big part of healthcare. 
Um, that being said, the um, so an APC, the APCs uh, um, are really the outpatient version of uh, what's known as a DRG, a diagnosis-related group, which pays for inpatient services. APC has been around since about 2000, and, and they've really strive to, to capture payment. Now, there's, there's a couple of trends you can you can almost bank on. And one trend with outpatient payment um, uh, categories is that they've been, they've been packaging. The trend in Medicare, if you follow this for the last few decades, is not to split things apart, but to package things together uh, to, to create composite payments or bundle payments as much as possible, where, where relevant. And that's, well, and that's uh, what's happening this year. Um, you may you may remember when Medicare came out with um, the APC for with APCs in general. Initially, they stopped paying for observation altogether. Then they split out observation and paid for chest pain, asthma, and heart failure with several stipulations. Then they removed some of the stipulations. Then they removed the uh, the condition restriction altogether and said that they pay for all observation. Uh, and around that time, they they paid for the uh, observation visit and the emergency visit um, combined together. Now, it's it. Um, let me stop for a second and explain. In the outpatient world, uh, unlike a DRG where everything is uh, packaged together into one payment, in the outpatient world, you go to the emergency department, there's a payment for the visit. A visit is considered like a procedure. It's a, it's a unique, distinct uh, serv- service that gets payment. If you have an MRI, as part of your emergency department visit. There's a separate payment for the MRI in addition to the emergency department. And again, this is facility payment. If there's a real expensive drug like TPA, there's a payment for that drug, okay? So when you talk about visits, there's really a limited number of visits that Medicare pays for. It pays for an emergency visit, an office visit, and uh, critical care, other things, but it pays for observation visits. Now, a few years ago, Medicare said if you have an observation visit, they're, they're going to create a combined payment for the uh, observation visit with the, the visit that led to that observation visit. So if, it, if it's a clinic, they package the clinic payment with the observation visit. If it's an emergency department visit, they package the emergency department visit with the observation visit. Uh, so, so for a few years now, it's been a combined payment for the two together. Um, so what's, what's required uh, to, to qualify for payment? Last as of last year, the, there were four basic requirements for a hospital to be paid for the APC for observation, which, by the way, if you're interested, it was APC 8009. Um, there had to be a distinct, identifiable physician order ordering observation services. So you couldn't, for example, say somebody, somebody languished in the ER for 15 hours waiting to be seen, then they're seen, then just before discharging them, order observation. There has to be an order with the intent that treatment will take place. Um, so there has to be an order that precedes observation care. There has to be, as of last year, a preceding uh, hospital visit. Now, they, they didn't want observation to be paid for everything, so they said there, it has to be kind of a, a higher level care. So it had to be uh, level four, five, which is in emergency visits, it's level one through five the more complicated cases are the level four and five. So it had to be, lo- be a level four or five e- type A ED visit or a level five type B ED visit. Um, or there had to be an associated critical care um, preceding visit. So if you had one of those visits and you had a physician order, the next thing you needed was a minimum of eight hours of, of observation care. 
Um, now, when a hospital submits claims, there's a specific um, HICPIC uh, code, it's G0378, which they use to code for each individual hour. Well, let me ask you this uh, real quick. The preceding visit uh, issue, what is the difference between type A and type B, type B ED visits? So a type B, to, to kind of uh, paraphrase, uh, a type A ED visit is an ED that's open 24-7. Uh, a type B ED is one that's not open 24-7. There's, um, there's uh, other nuances. It has to be a place that takes um, emergency and towel patients. But so thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. Um, so the and, and that issue is has um, essentially melted away as we'll talk about in a few minutes here. So so uh, a physician order a preceding hot this is last year's requirement a physician order preceding hospital visit that's higher level uh, a minimum of eight hours of observation care as indicated by the HICPIC code G zero three seven eight. And Mike, that's that's a little different than. Uh, professional billing because that's actually head in the bed time, right? It doesn't count time off the floor for tests and stuff so, like so that. So the, the clock for observation uh, starts when, uh, ideally, when the nurse begins to provide the observation care. But if that's not clearly documented, it's usually when the phys the patient was assigned to a bed or when the order was written. And uh, so it's really when observation care starts. It, it's not uh, at triage. It's when the observation right. care starts. And so I think that's I think for the APC, different, for different the, than yes, the CPT. Yes, that's very so, different. So if, if, to, to, to Matt's point, like if we were to take a step back, there could you could bill, let's say the patient is in uh, the department, mm -hmm. uh, both in the ER and then in an observation bed for a total of 12 hours, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. The professional charge of uh, observation can happen uh, because that professional charge starts at the time the malpractice starts, which is at triage, right? Uh, however, if you were to bill a facility charge, uh, you would have to have something that happened for eight hours or more, right? So you would not be able to bill your facility charge as observation. There has to be eight hours of <clears throat> eight hours of billable observation care for the facility. Right. And and the, the the situation you mentioned is, was for what we call the one physician model as opposed to the two physician right. model. But I, I don't want to get too too in, too much in the weeds on the physician part yet. But uh, uh, except to clarify that yes, if you have the one physician model where you're combining emergency plus OBS, the clock starts when malpractice risk begins, which is at triage. Um, whereas with on the on the facility side, when you order observation. The um, the clock starts when the care is initiated or when it's ordered. Or the patient is assigned the bed. They they drew a line in the sand to say if you didn't if you got less than eight hours of observation care, they they'll still pay observation, but they, that payment is covered by the emergency code. They're saying they're not going to pay the emergency plus observation code. Mm -hmm. So there has to be at least enough observation care to qualify for this payment. <clears throat> and then the last thing is there can't be an associated T status procedure on this on the same day or the preceding day for which observation care occurred. Now what is, so what is the T-status procedure? It's a whole, it's a whole list of, of I, you know, again, to simplify, they're major procedures. So if you have a, a diagnostic heart cath, if you have endoscopy, if you have, you know, things of that sort, those are T-status procedures. What, what, about, what about if the patient was an ED patient that you admit to OBS and GI says, well, we're going to do a scope on him. You know, they have an upper, stable upper GI bleed, no active bleeding, and GI does a scope on them. So yeah. how, how does that? So 
Yeah, and that that's okay. The in that scenario, if it's a T, if there's a T status procedure done by they, another service, then it's well, the service uh, it doesn't matter if if a T status procedure is provided in association with a hospital visit. They pay the, the what Medicare says is they'll pay the emergency department visit um, and they'll pay the procedure, but the observation payment is included in payment for okay. that procedure, so they don't pay observations. Uh, as a separate combination. Okay. Uh, okay, so I do have this question though, and that is, uh, for example, in our hospitalist run observation unit, right? Yeah. Uh, I do feel like I'm, gonna, I'm a steward of the facility charges that we have to provide. So in that sort of situation, and also in the CDU, we have patients who come in for our upper GI bleeding pathway, a very popular pathway. Mm -hmm. And they get observation services, which are, which include repeat um, uh, CBCs. They get monitoring, uh, and we generally put them on like a PPI or something like that. And then they go off for endoscopy. Okay, mm -hmm. so what about the payment for that for the services that the nurses are providing in the observation unit prior to that T status procedure? Where or, does, or following that T or status. Or following the T. Well, because the, typically they'll get it and then they'll come back to CDU. Right. If, there's there's a period where they obs in their like their post procedure area. Right. Right. But then they come back. Oftentimes they get another CBC mm -hmm. to to wait to make sure that they're not continuing to bleed, uh, and then they make sure they can tolerate PO. So how does all of that work in this setting of a T status procedure? So so um, yeah, if your hospital submits. Uh, uh, a GI bleed observation patient with 12 hours of uh, separate uh, observation care and a, a code, a facility code for endoscopy, the OCE will automatically not pay the observation code. It'll pay the emergency visit, it'll pay the EGD, but they, they don't pay it. And Medicare, in, in its uh, statements, policy statements, uh, their statement is that they pay for observation, but the observation is included in the procedure itself. You know, I haven't uh, received any feedback either locally or nationally that hospitals are concerned about uh, not being paid fairly when they're paid for the T-status procedure instead of observation because that really represents um, a smaller per percentage of true observation cases. And again, observation is management to determine the need for inpatient admission. And those cases that have a T-status procedure, uh, I've not heard a lot of negative feedback. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that's, uh, that's interesting and good to know. So let me ask you to move on to the yeah. new APC. So, so last year, um, in 2015, the payment for the APC for observation plus emergency was $1,235. Now, to put it in perspective, the payment for the ED visit itself was $493. Okay. Uh, now, now, this year, what, they, what CMS has done is they, they've... Um, package not only the ED plus observation visit, but all everything else associated with the visit are now packaged into a single APC. The, uh, but it packages everything. So a stress test, an MRI, um, you know, all, everything that is associated with the visit, the drugs, the meds, are packaged into a, a single payment. Um, so, so are there any of these things that would have been T-status procedures before being packaged into it now? T-status is still an exclusion. So that, that, that's, that exclusion still applies. So the things in the T-status bucket did not change. Right. So if you come in, you have an EGD, 
this this uh, bigger comprehensive. It's it, it's a new category of APCs. It's one of a a, a handful called comprehensive APCs. Um, but the, they still exclude T-status procedures. So if you have a, an EGD, for example, you wouldn't qualify for the comprehensive APC. So you'd be paid for the emergency visit and the EGD as you were last year. I got it. Okay. So uh, the, uh, what this does, and one of the concerns was that, gosh, Medicare patients are paying more out of pocket by being observed than, by, than if they were just admitted as an inpatient. And examples were if somebody was in OPS for five days, the cost increased, but also if they have a lot of these piecemeal individual um, procedures that, that would add the 20% co copayment on all those procedures would exceed the inpatient uh, copayment, which is uh, $1,260. Um, now You mean deductible? Deductible, yes, right. the in, inpatient deductible. Um, the uh, So what they did is they, because they're combining everything together, Medic Medicare actually increased what they pay for the APC last year. They paid 1235 this year. They increased payment uh, to uh, $2,275. They actually, in the final rule, they came up with a slightly uh, higher payment uh, by about you know, $14 than what they proposed. So this payment includes everything, the, the stress test, the MRI, things of that sort. Now, the other thing that was changed is they took away the, pre, the, the level four or five uh, ED visit requirement. So any preceding e e emergency department visit qualifies for this comprehensive APC and any preceding type, whether it's a type A or type B ED. So that's good. So even like you say you went to your doctor's office mm -hmm. and your doctor says, you know, I think you need some asthma treatment that is going to last more than 12 hours. Does that, do you think, qualify for a preceding visit for to get an APC? Well, if the doctor's office was in the hospital, then that would be, um, uh, they, would, they, they might qualify. If it was, if they went from the um, doctor's office to observation, that would qualify. And this, this doesn't uh, change the sniff rule thing. It's still, it's yeah. still, they're, Still, time and OBS still doesn't cover for skilled nursing facility time. That's that's right. The the two downsides to uh, two things that th this is a step forward, but it didn't quite cross the finish line. There's two things that uh, are not covered. One is the time and observation still does not apply to uh, the three inpatient day rule. Uh, issues with that are um, if you want to observe somebody, observe them quickly and come to a decision quickly. And if they should, if they need to be admitted, admit them quickly so that they m might qualify for their three inpatient days. If they do end up going from the hospital to a sniff, um, the, um, the the other thing that um, is not covered is the self-administered medications. So if, if there's a medication that the patient is is given that's not related to their being observed and it's an expensive drug, the patient may still be billed separately for that. Um, a lot of people call the uh, self-administered medication SAMs, and some hospitals have dealt with SAMs by just not uh, uh, separately charging for that, but hospitals vary in that. Well, I know I need to catch my breath and uh, go think about all that was said, so uh, let, me, let me try to kind of summarize things for everybody keeping score at home, um, just because this... Uh, the CMS stuff can be really dense, but it's very important to understand, especially if you are managing or trying to start an observation unit, because uh, as Anwar pointed out, you know, being a good financial steward of your unit is part of, is part of your job. Um, so chime in if I get any of this wrong. So we started out by 
uh, kind of presenting the concept of the APC codes uh, and as opposed to the DRG codes. And everybody should be familiar with DRGs, uh, and that is how the facility gets paid for inpatients. The APCs is how they get paid for outpatient visits, and observation visits are outpatient visits by definition. Um, the APC code that currently pays them is now APC 8011, and there are uh, there are some thresholds to get into that. Number one is it still needs a physician order. Um, number two is it needs a minimum of eight hours of observation. Uh, and number three is that there can be no T-status procedure. Um, number four is that it needs a, a hospital-associated visit, but it's not specific as to the level of that visit. Um, so the good news is all of that now is bundled. All those services are now bundled, and the the payment that the hospital receives for that is uh, increased from what it had been. Um, the challenge in all this, though, is that, that this is your bundled payment. So if it takes you five days to manage this OBS patient, you're only still getting $2,275. If it takes you a day to manage it, you get $2,275. So it's still, it's still implicit that we as observation unit directors uh, or physicians rounding in the observation unit uh, make decisions on these folks uh, in a timely fashion, either admit them or discharge them at the uh, 16 to 18 hour uh, time limit because uh, you know you're not you're not getting any other advantages by by continuing to observe them. Let me ask you a, one question. I know we got to wrap it up. This is really interesting. Uh, I'm on the edge of my seat here, but let's say a patient is admitted following their observation stay, right? Uh, and the patient has CHF that doesn't get better, you appropriately observe them for 16, 18 hours. Can, you, can the facility bill for that APC and then switch it over to an inpatient charge? How does that work? Good question. If somebody's admitted, everything falls under the umbrella of the DRG. <clears throat> the, uh, the ED visit, the observation care, and the inpatient care. Uh, the, the important nuance there is the clock for the inpatient admission doesn't begin at triage in the ED. It doesn't begin at the beginning of observation. The, the length of stay begins at the time the admission's ordered. And that's important for patients that, for those 0.6% of observation patients. So what if it's a standalone observation unit? That's one of those things that came up in that AEM conference and it comes up occasionally for places like ASAP with more of the business side of uh, the emergency medicine physician. What sort of payment can they recoup as a facility if they have to transfer the patient from a standalone <coughs> observation unit to an inpatient facility? My understanding is that if a standalone is associated with a hospital, it's clearly linked to a hospital, that they fall under the hospital umbrella. If it's truly a standalone that's not associated with a the hospital, then the OPPS, the hospital uh, payment policy, wouldn't uh, apply to them. Uh, I, I would, for, for all these policy discussions, I would refer um, the, our listeners to the Medicare website, also, which has, I mean, really, what they say is the, the, is the rule, it's, it's the policy. So um, ours is a summary and, and putting the policy in context. The other useful uh, resources, ASAP has really good information on their website. Okay, that's great. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to uh, stretch this out too long, but uh, Dr. Wheatley gave a great summary here. And I would add to Matt's summary, this new APC creates a powerful incentive for hospitals to have, have an observation unit because, as you said, they're going to be paid a fixed amount. They can spend a lot or, 
or, or do things uh, appropriately and efficiently, it really creates an incentive for hospitals to have an observation unit, a protocol-driven observation unit. All right. So uh, if as, as we say at the end of every podcast, uh, if you don't have OBS, you've got a problem. All right. And we'll see you all next time. That was awesome, man. I appreciate it.